want to say that I'm glad that you're back with us this afternoon. Hopefully we'll have something to say that you'll be able to use as you go along. I appreciated the way Yancey put himself in the uh, young people's group this morning. I do the same thing when I'm over at Gunner. You know, to be a real young person, though, you've got to get a tattoo. I don't know if you knew that or not. And uh, I had my daughters and four of my grandchildren at the house the other day, and I told them I've made a decision. And they said, what's that? And I said, I'm going to get a tattoo. And they like to faint it. And uh, they couldn't believe that I would even think about doing something like that, you know. And they said, well, what kind of tattoo are you going to get? And I said, it's going to be on my forearm right here. It'll have my name, my address, and Bev's phone number. <laughs> and if lost, please call, you know. And so I thought, well, if you're going to do it, you might as well, you know, have something that works and is, is beneficial, you know. So it's good to be with you. I'm glad you're here. I want to share some thoughts with you out of the book of Luke, the 19th chapter. Start about verse 45. Jesus is going to be once again dealing with the religious leaders of the day. And I wonder sometimes, and pretty much I know the answer to this, they didn't see themselves the way God saw them. They, did, they did, could not imagine that God would not be happy with them. I don't believe these religious leaders were going about trying deliberately to disobey God. And I don't believe they were going about trying to upset God. I believe they really thought that they were doing what was right. Later on in the Gospels, Jesus is going to tell the apostles, he goes, there's going to come a time they're going to kill you and think they do God a service. And a lot of religious people have been that way over the years, but they could not see themselves the way God really looked at them. And that's a dangerous, dangerous place for us to be. We need to be able to see ourselves the way God does and I think that will help us to serve him better. In Luke 19, 45, and then we're going to go down through chapter 20 for a few verses. The Bible says, And he went into the temple and began to cast out them that sold therein and them that bought, saying unto them, It is written, My house is the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. And he taught daily in the temple, but the chief priests and the scribes and the chief of the people sought to destroy him. And could not find what they might do, for all the people were very attentive to hear him. And it came to pass on one of those days as he began, as he taught the people in the temple and preached the gospel, the chief priests and scribes came unto him with the elders and spake unto him, saying, Tell us by what authority doest thou these things? And who is, and who is he that gave thee this authority? And he answered and said unto them, I will also ask you one thing and answer me. The baptism of John, was it from heaven or of men? And they reasoned with themselves, saying, If we shall say from heaven, he will say, Why then did you not believe him? Or why did you believe him not? But, and if you we say of men, all the people will stone us, for they persuaded that John was a prophet. And they answered that they could not tell whence it was. And Jesus said unto them, Neither tell you by what authority I do these things. These religious leaders, Jesus called the temple there, you have made it a den of thieves. Do you really think they thought that about themselves? If God had asked them, how are you doing down there? Do you think they said, well, we're going real good. We've got your temple that's supposed to be a house of prayer, and we've made it a den of thieves. We're, we're doing great. I doubt very seriously they would say something like that. They didn't see themselves that way. 
And sometimes it's hard for people to see themselves the way we really are. Do people ever really think of themselves as being lost? Do people ever think of themselves as not being pleasing to God? Do any of us ever think of ourselves that we might be sent to a devil's hell? We don't think like that, do we? We think we're doing pretty good. Years ago, I don't know whether the book was any good or not. I don't remember the book. But I believe I met the greatest book salesman on the planet. I want you to know that. I went into this bookstore, and I was into the self-help stuff and, and all that, and there was a book, and it was called The Power Look. And I go, yeah. And it's how to go into a room and just with your eyes and very presence, take control of the room. And I'm going, yeah, that's me. And they had a, a guy on the cover of the book. He was about 6'4". He had jet black wavy hair and a black mustache and dark piercing eyes. And he wore a blue suit and a maroon tie. And a little guy walked up beside me and goes, that's you. And I go, yeah. <laughs> I don't know that I ever learned to do the power look. I want you to know that. I did read later on a, a book that a guy had written and some fellow was trying to do the power look and he went into the CEO's office and he stood where he's supposed to and he looked the way he's supposed to and the CEO looked at him and goes, something wrong with your eyes? <laughs> so maybe it doesn't always work out. But you know, I could see myself as six, four, wavy, jet black hair, piercing eyes. Can we all see ourselves that way? You know, God was merciful to us. It wasn't intended to be taken this way, but in the book of James, it talks about how a man is like one that looks into a glass and walks away, talking about a mirror, and walks away and forgetteth what manner of man he was. Isn't that merciful? Wouldn't you hate to think of it that you look like that all day long? <laughs> That's greatness. But we deceive ourselves, don't we? I was get, got into kayaking a while back. And I was a, it's a low-impact aerobic-type sport, and I, I liked it. I really enjoyed it. Uh, and so I went into this kayak shop because I just had a little cheap one that you buy over the counter, you know, and I bought one at a garage sale or something. And uh, at any rate, I went into this kayak store, and I'm looking at, boy, there are some nice ones. And I asked this guy, I said, what is the number one that you sell? And he goes, the number one thing I sell is self-delusion. And I'm going, what? He goes, yeah. He goes, he goes that is a $4,500 kayak. It is composite. It's very light. It's narrow. You can roll it real easy and all that. It's 17 feet long. It's got compartments for all your camping gear. And I go, yeah. He goes, do you really see yourself on an island somewhere eating a hot dog? <laughs> and I'm thinking, you know, for me, roughing it is when the satellite don't tune in. <laughs> And he goes, there's a lot of people buy this stuff, they take it home, and they, they, they never use it. They're not going on these long trips and things that some people do that they read about in books. He said, self-delusion. And I got to thinking, you know, there's a sermon in that. These religious leaders back in Luke, they didn't see themselves as a den of thieves. They didn't see them as, as one that was trying to test and trap the son of the living God. I want you to know, not every Pharisee was a bad person. I think we kind of paint with a broad brush when we do that. But these were Now, Gamaliel, he told the Pharisees, whenever they were going to uh, persecute the apostles, 
He said, if this movement be of God, you can't stop it. But you'll find yourself fighting God. But if it's not of God, it'll fall apart. Leave them alone. Of course, they didn't listen to Gamaliel. And they wound up opposing God and all that. So are we deceiving ourselves? I really think one of the main reasons people will be lost is because we've deceived ourselves. Look at how many times, Galatians 6 and 7, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. In the book of James, chapter 1, Be ye doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Folks, self-delusion is a very scary thing, and we need to be careful of that. In Matthew 5 and verse 20, Jesus said, Except your, and this is a sermon on the mount, Except your righteousness exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Everybody go, oh, that's cool. You know the question you ought to ask? How does my righteousness exceed theirs? How's it supposed to? Jesus gave three chapters in the what we call the Sermon on the Mount telling you how that your righteousness can exceed that righteousness. Are we doing those things? Are we deceiving ourselves? We need to be careful with that. At the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 to 24, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. I want you to know that I am guilty of having misused these verses a number of years. I would use them in Bible studies when we were talking about people from other religions, if it be proper to say it that way. And the things they were doing wrong over there. That's not what Jesus was talking about, folks. He goes on and say, he said, many are going to say, have we, not, have we not prophesied in thy name and cast out devils in thy name and in thy name done many wonderful works and then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. He says, depart from me. I never knew you. Who's he talking to? He's talking about people that would not do the things that he taught in the Sermon on the Mount. But they thought they were okay. The Pharisees thought they were okay. They all thought they were doing God's will. But were they? We need to be careful about this self-delusion thing because it can get us in trouble. In Romans 10, 1 and 2, Paul said, My heart's prayer desire to God for Israel is that they might be saved. He said, I bear record, bear them record, that they have a zeal toward God but not according to knowledge. You know what he was saying? I pray that they will be saved. They already thought they were. Self-delusion. He said they have a zeal, but not according to knowledge. Paul acknowledged that they thought they were doing what was right. But they were not serving God. In fact, they found themselves exactly like Gamaliel said, in opposing God the living God. Now John 5, 39 is, is, is a scary verse to me. If it's not scary to you, there's something wrong with you. Jesus said, search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, but they are they which testify of me. Is it possible to deceive ourselves concerning our relationship with God? You bet it is. Do we need to ever now and then really examine ourselves, whether we be in the faith? 2 Corinthians 13 and 5. What Paul told the Corinthians. 
And he said, what? Know you not your own heart? Don't kid yourself. Don't lie to yourself. How are we doing? And I think we'll come to the conclusion that all have sinned come short of the glory of God and we need a Savior. And that's why he did the things that he did. Jesus talked about authority. Well, they came to Jesus and said, By what authority doest thou these things? Of course, he's going to ask them a question. But Matthew 28 and 19, the Bible says that all authority had been in heaven and earth had been given to Jesus. God had put all things under his feet, according to Ephesians 1. Jesus is the authority. If you're doing things with the authority of God, you're doing things that Jesus told you to do and taught you to do. You know, there are a lot of people that have the idea that in the name of the Lord means we need to say the words in the name of the Lord. You know what in the name of the Lord means? Literally translated means by the authority of the Lord. Are we doing things by God's authority? Are we following our own authority? Jesus has all authority, folks, in heaven and in earth. We need to make sure we're on his side doing what he wants us to do. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 6, it gets a little more tricky. Paul said, These things have I in a figure transferred to myself and Apollos. You know, I always would have liked to have been Apollos. You know about self-deception. This is, this is one of my main self-deceptions. How would you like to be the preacher that Paul said was mighty in the Scripture and eloquent? That Paul thought you were eloquent and mighty in the Scriptures. And I'm going, yeah, that's me. <laughs> now, I'm more like what Paul said. I came to you with great plainness and rudeness of speech. But he said, I've transferred these things. I'm using Apollos and myself. I'm using us as an example. That you might learn in us not to think of men above that which is written. Did a Bible study years ago. Uh, I'm talking well over 40 years ago this happened. And we had a lady we were doing a Bible study with, and, and I would say, now in the book of 1 Corinthians, and she reached down in a little basket and pulled out a book on 1 Corinthians by a guy by the name of J. Vernon McGee. Now I'm sure J. Vernon McGee was a good guy, and I figure he's probably pretty smart when it comes to the Bible. She never once opened the Bible in our Bible study. But anytime we wanted to talk about some scripture, she would reach down and pull his book out. And whatever J. Vernon McGee said was her authority. Now that's an example of literally putting men above that which is written. Sometimes you'll have a fellow and he'll have a lot of letters behind his name. And we put him above that which is written. When I was growing up, we had one guy that did all the preaching. And if he decided, or the deacons decided, that they didn't want him anymore and they fired him, which I've always wondered, how do you fire people that have a, I had a license like this, that said you were called by the Holy Ghost to preach the gospel. How do you fire a guy that's called by the Holy Ghost? But they do. And when he left, half church went with him. Who are we following? Are we following Jesus? Or are we following men? Folks, that's awful hard for people not to do. We need to be careful even among 
the churches that we don't think of men above that which is written. And I think in the past times, that's got us into trouble because that preacher was the authority. Now, I understand in the frontiers days why the preacher was held in such high esteem. A lot of times in the frontier days, he was one of the few people that could read and write. He was literate. Just because you had a Bible didn't mean you were able to read it. And you certainly weren't able to write. Now, in our world, everybody can read and write, or pretty much everybody can read and write. Don't think of men above that which is written. Now, when you get to verse number 17, it gets even better. He said, I said to you, Timotheus, that will bring you into remembrance of my ways that I preach. Listen to this. That I preach everywhere in every church. And I'm going to ask you a question, folks. How many different kinds of churches are there in Denton? Pretty good-sized place, isn't it? You go, oh, Martin, I'd have no idea how many different kinds of churches there are in Denton. Then there have to be several hundred, wouldn't there? Could Paul preach the same doctrine everywhere in every church in this town? Just this town? Without somebody getting mad about it? There's a problem. You know what the problem is? Thinking of men above that which is written. Do you know the number one way, those of you maybe that are thinking about starting your own religion, <laughs> hopefully you're not, but if you are, I can tell you how to do it. Do you know the number one way to start your own religion and get people to follow you and get a following? An angel told me. How many religions have sprung up in this country and around the world because somebody said, an angel told me. Now, who are you to argue with an angel? And if it comes from an angel, it must be from God, and therefore I really need to follow this. There's a temple in Salt Lake City with an angel on it that told them what they were supposed to do. If you go to the Middle East, the angel Gabriel gave Muhammad the Quran. But you know what the scriptures say? In Galatians 1, 8 and 9, it says, Though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which you have received, let him be accursed. And maybe Paul thought the Galatians were a little slow on this. So in the very next verse, not a chapter later, but the very next verse, he says, As I said before, so say I now again, though we are an angel. And he repeated it right there. You reckon he knew something was going to be up with this angel thing? Don't think of men above that which is written. And that's how you can see yourself exactly the way God does. Because if you put men in God's place, you're going to wind up in a mess. You're going to wind up being away from God instead of right there with him. There are three areas that I think we must follow God's authority if you want to be successful in life. One is as an individual. Joshua 24 and 15, and we thought so much of this verse, there's a lot of plaques around and people hang them in their house, and I love these, these things. And it says, Joshua made the statement, as for me and my house, we will follow the Lord. Joshua knew where his allegiance lied. I'm not going to follow men. I'm not going to follow even all of you, my brethren. 
I'm going to follow God. And we thought so much of it, we make a plaque out of it. But it's more than just pretty words, folks. It's what we need to do as individuals. In Acts 17, 11, these talking about Berea were more noble than they of Thessalonica in that they searched the scriptures daily whether these things were so. They didn't think of men above that was written. And when Paul preached to them, they didn't take his word for it at the moment. They went and they searched the scriptures and sure enough, he's telling them what the scriptures say. Apparently they had a problem with that in Thessalonica. But they didn't in Berea. As individuals, we've got to make a commitment in our heart that I am going to follow the Lord. Now, the Lord's going to tell you to do some things that really go against the grain. I want you to know that. I know most of y'all, probably all of you. Y'all know me. And I want you to know when somebody comes up and slaps the far out of you, my first reaction is not turn the other cheek. <laughs> is it yours? But that's what Jesus said, dude. If somebody takes my coat, it's not to go give them my cloak also. If they compel me to go a mile, it's not to go two with them. That's really not the way we play the game. I saw a bumper sticker that really pretty much put how we are naturally. This bumper sticker said, I don't get mad, I get even. Do you ever really? <laughs> but you see, to follow the Lord, you're going to have to put yourself on the back burner individually. And you're going to have to make that commitment that I'm going to follow him. Our worship and service to God. You know, I told you these guys didn't see themselves the way God did. In Matthew 15 and verse 8, Jesus makes a statement. Well did Isaiah prophesy of this people. They draw nigh to me with their mouth. They honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Now, Lord, how do we honor you with our lips, but our heart is far from you? How did we get in this situation? Jesus said, for in vain they do worship me, in the next verse, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. We're following men. Here it is. I wonder which men Jesus thought they were following. I don't know. Maybe it was the fathers that had died before. I mean, how could they be wrong, right? They lived a long time ago. They must have been smarter than we are. No, when you start thinking of men above that which is written, you're going to have problems. And he said they worshiped. Have you ever thought of worshiping God and going through this and doing this and it be for nothing? That's what vain means, empty, nothing. And it's possible to go through this and do this and sacrifice some to do it and it mean nothing unless we're doing what the Lord told us to do. We need to follow God's authority in our relationships and our homes. A successful home will follow God's teaching whether they realize they're doing it or not. When you do the world's teaching, it comes apart every time. The wheels come off. I want you to know that. In Ephesians 5 and Colossians 3, the apostle talks to the Colossians and the Ephesians about the home. And he says, this is how it ought to be run. This is how it ought to be done. I have a sister-in-law that has her doctorate now. And she goes, 
they will laugh you out of the classroom if you t teach what they teach in Ephesians 5. Really. Every now and then we used to hear about this thing called an open marriage. You can, I'll leave you to imagine what that is. And you know, every one of them been married two or three times. Their homes fell apart. Why? Because they didn't follow what God told them to do. There was a fellow years ago that Mike and I knew down in the Garland area, and I got him to talk with my brother. And, my, and he said this. My brother had some problems, an alcoholic and drug addict and all that, and he tr tr tried to get him to go to the AA and, and work with him on, on getting over this. He said, let me tell you, finally he got tired of my brother arguing with him, and he said, I'm going to tell you something, son. He said, you give God's way 30 days, and if you don't like it, we'll refund your misery. Oh, whoa. <laughs> you tried everything else and it didn't work? Try God's way. At least give him a chance. And that'll fix our relationships and it'll fix our homes. With authority, folks, comes responsibility. In Matthew 16, 24, the Bible says that we're to deny ourselves, take up the cross, and follow him. That's a responsible, take up the cross does not mean, every now and then I'll go around or I'll see on TV or something, there'll be a guy with a couple of two-befores nailed together in the shape of a cross with usually a little lawnmower wheel on the back. <laughs> I guess it's a lawnmower wheel. I don't know where they got these wheels but they'll be carrying their cross with that lawnmower wheel on the back, and they're literally carrying the cross. That's not what Jesus meant. He meant you're a Christian. You have responsibilities. Fulfill those responsibilities. That's taking up your cross and following him. Whatever those responsibilities are that God has put in your hand, you make sure you fill them. If you're a father, you fulfill your responsibility. Now, I'm going to tell you something. One of the biggest shocks I ever got in my life was when Jeremy was coming along. We lived in Plainview, Texas. And I was walking down the street, and I was very happy. We're having a son. I was going to be a father for the first time. And I went into this place, and I thought, maybe these people can help me. And it was called Planned Parenthood. They were zero help. <laughs> they gave me brochures and I showed them to bed on how we could have an abortion. I didn't want to do that. I wanted to be the father that God wants me to be. But that was their first response. Oh, he would know why you're here. Here, read these. <laughs> and when I did, I was just, I was terrified I'd even walked into the place. But you know, when you become a dad, you've got responsibilities. You become a husband, you have responsibilities. It's vice versa for the ladies as well. Now, I don't like the next saying. It says that women, young women, become girls become women when they have babies. Young men do not become men until their father dies. <laughs> that seems a little severe to me. <laughs> Maybe it does. But there's responsibilities, isn't there? Are we willing to take up that cross and follow him? That is, meet those responsibilities. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 
1 Corinthians chapter 9, about verse number 5. This may seem a, a bit odd, I guess, but I liked it, so I decided to put it in here. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 5. Have we not power to lead about a sister, a wife, as well as other apostles, and as the brethren of the Lord, and Cephas? In other words, he's saying, do we not have, does not I, Paul, have the right to lead about a wife, as does Peter and the brothers of the Lord? Now, when you get to 1 Peter chapter 5, Peter says, to the elders whom am also an elder. Peter was an elder in the church. Now we know that Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law. But you know to be an elder in the church, you've got to have children. Peter was an apostle. Peter was an elder. Peter was a husband. Peter was a father. And if he lived long enough, he'd have been a grandfather. And with that authority comes, and yes, they had the right to have a wife and do those things. But with that authority come responsibility, folks. It's not just authority to boss people around and then that's it. It comes with responsibilities. In Mark 16, verse 15, go you into all the world, preach the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection to every creature. Now there's your authority, brethren. That's the marching orders of the church. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, and he that believeth not shall be damned. Verse 16. Here's your authority to go, and here's your message to preach. Now we have the responsibility to do it. Are we doing it? Are we fulfilling our responsibilities that God has given us? That's what he means by take up your cross. And follow him. And some of the gospels use the term daily. Do it daily. In other words, 365, 24-7, we follow him. Are we doing it? Are we fulfilling our responsibility? I will ask you one other question. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. Is that from heaven? Or is that from men? Do you know there are some versions of the Bible, like the Revised Standard Version, that don't even put that in there. They stop at verse 9. There are some versions of the Bible that they, they take this verse right here and they will admit verse 9 is not a good stopping place. There's got to be something behind it. And they'll put a footnote that this is not in certain manuscripts that they chose to read. So I'm going to ask you a simple question. The baptism of the Lord, is it from heaven or is it from men? Now, if we say it's from heaven, why then did you not believe him? And why would you not want to do it? If you say it's of men, well, it's in the scriptures. We read it there. It's in red. I know it's got to be true. Y'all think that's funny tomorrow. Is it of heaven or is it of men? You make that decision as we stand and sing.